Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their travel trailer, which they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. On this episode, I started out with the idea that I would tell you a little bit about how we ended up in Indianapolis, Indiana for the 2021 National FFA Convention. I was going to talk about how surreal it was to walk in a huge convention center with 55,000 dark blue jacketed teenagers for three days, and how all of us were dwarfed by these monstrously large tractors on display. One of said tractors has an attachment that was wider than my house. I kid you not. It was kind of scary. You feel like an ant when you stand up in the booth and you look up. Anyway, I was going to mention how interesting it was to see the Army and the Coast Guard there, looking for those interested in becoming future leaders, or those looking for opportunity. How most every college with an agricultural science program was represented, right alongside the vendors promoting software platforms, animal food, Tack, seeds, tech, and pretty much anything that might have some sort of agricultural connection. Big names and small, non-profit, and for as much profit as they can scour, all were there. That's what I was planning to talk about in my intro, to give you a sense of what it was like in that place, surrounded by that mass of young humanity swirling about. But that's not what I found myself thinking about when I look back on the last week in Indiana. Okay, wait. First off, I better introduce our podcast guest, Christy Meyer. Christy will tell you a little bit more about herself and the convention in just a minute. She was an extremely helpful lady and was really welcoming to us, which was very nice to experience at our very first FFA adventure. Marketing and communications are not two of my best things. And yes, I see the irony. So I truly admire anyone that can do anything relating to that or media or public relations. Christy works with all of those words at one time. We were in Indianapolis to see what the whole shindig was about and to talk to as many interesting people as we could find. This is our first FFA convention and we didn't rest much, but we knew that the American Borgoat Association was going to be there, and since we'd done a bit of work with them this year, we stopped by fairly consistently throughout the day to see how things were going. We ended up co-opting two of the kids in the booth, Logan and Elena, to be roving reporters for us. These two girls are affectionately now known as the interns, and you'll hear Logan trying out the interview idea for size on today's podcast. Logan is vice president of the National Junior American Borgoat Association, FFA president at her high school, and she raises borgoats on her family farm and whatever other time she has after all that. This young lady is thinking about a career in communications and media, so she hit the ground running. Both of our interns were troopers, and we would love to have them back in a heartbeat. We have plans to meet up with Elena on our home turf in Florida, so you'll get to hear from her next month, we hope. But I found myself thinking about these two kids all day. What is it that makes some jump into the breach with enthusiasm, taking life by the horns, while others just float along with whatever comes? 
What makes some go forward with steadfastness and deliberation, even if the thing they're doing is unfamiliar, or if it makes them uncomfortable the whole time they're pushing themselves to do it? Bravery is one of the words that comes to mind. These kids were brave to take a step outside their comfort zone, and it's not an easy thing to do. And they had character. They showed up to work on behalf of their organization, whether or not they were FFA members. They represented the JABGA, and they did it beautifully in more ways than they may have realized. They came from miles away to participate. They carried gear in the day before, and stood on chairs, and pinned up the backdrop, and posted signage, and put out swag. They got up early and manned the booth at the convention center for days in a row, and took their shifts without complaint. At least a hundred times a day, they smiled at a never-ending tide of teenagers coming to the booth, repeating phrases like, Do you have boar goats? Or, Are you commercial or show? Trying to make a connection with their peers. There were many of those kids who obviously stopped by to get a free candy or tote bag or other swag, and conversation can be a really tough thing to get going in that circumstance. But then there were some kids who smiled back and said, Yep, I have boars. And then things would flow. I find myself thinking that maybe the Army and the Coast Guard have the right of it. It's kids like these that you search for when you're hoping to meet the needs of the coming years, the leaders and the doers. You search for this because you hope that the next generation will understand that leadership involves not just the actions that are easy, it's showing up to do the boring stuff, or the physically tiring stuff, or the stuff that just plain needs to be done. It's following the things that you're passionate about and introducing others to that same feeling. It's determination and follow-through, even if it's uncomfortable. That's what leadership is about. And leadership is something that the FFA prides itself on promoting in its young members. All of those characteristics sound a lot like those that farmers across the country need in the practice of agriculture. And maybe other industries could use quite a bit of that as well like a little independent media production company. We will put them face forward any day of the week, and it gives me hope for the future, I have to admit. I have not only hope, but confidence that these two young people will go far in life. We want to give a shout-out of thanks to Logan and Elena for helping us at the 2021 National FFA Convention, and thanks for giving our hearts a little lift while you did it. Would you introduce yourself, please? Sure, my name is Christy Meyer. I'm with the marketing and communications team at National FFA. So, tell me what you do here. So, at FFA, I work on our marketing team and I do a lot of our media and public relations. But in addition to that, I work with my colleagues when they prepare information for conferences, making sure that it's all edited correctly and our messaging is getting across, and really that our whole message of FFA is telling our story across the board. You have a wide and varied pool that you're speaking to because you, you might have messaging that applies to the kids. You might have messaging that applies to the teachers, and again, many of the teachers are going to be dealing with the kids, so that's a very important part of it. And then you have the school systems, and then the broader picture. So how, how does that message change, and how is it similar, and what is the main thing that you'd like everybody to remember? Yeah, so while the message changes a little bit, the overall message is that we're bringing up the next generation of leaders. Our students are the story, and it's so easy to tell that story. It's easy to tell our sponsors, the broader 
audience, the school system, telling those teachers that you are key in helping us develop these leaders, and then telling the students that we're gonna give you those keys to success, and we're gonna help you feel fill what you need to be successful in your career. Yeah, now that one, that's one thing that's a really important thing because you, these, a lot of these kids that come through FFA and 4-H and all the rest of the, the community programs that we have, they, they learn a lot of this at home, really, at the cradle. They go out and feed the chickens or take care of the pigs or whatever it happens to be. So they've got a lot of this innate knowledge. But, but when you come into a more structured environment, what, what is the important part to that? What does FFA do that they don't learn at home? Yeah, so the wonderful thing about our organization is we're what we call intracurricular. So in order to be an FFA member, you have to take ag education classes. So you have to take some of those school classes as well as be an FFA member. But one part of FFA is called our supervised agriculture experience, where we really encourage them to get involved in their community and local businesses, or it might even be on the local farm. But take those skills of like doing your record books and looking at the business aspect of what you're going to learn to help you in the future. So while it might help you in a business in the future, it's also going to help you run your farm, your household, all of those skills. So it's just taking it one step further. Now this is a this is a huge event. You have what, 60, 50, 60,000 kids here? I believe we're going to tap out at 56,000, maybe give or take a few thousand. We're actually smaller than what we've been in the past. In 2019, we hit 68,000. We knew with COVID it would probably be a little bit smaller, but we are very happy to see so many smiling faces, or shall I say smiling eyes above the masks this week. Smiling eyes. Yes, and I would believe that 50 or 60,000 number because we did just try and stand in the food line out there and yes, all over. And the really cool thing is, is that all of these kids have the blue FFA jackets on and they have their states or their regions on the back. So you really get to see, regardless of mask or otherwise, you get to see all these kids that are from all over the place. Yeah, it's wonderful. And traditionally, so we have chapters, all 50 states, Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. So usually we have representatives from all 52 of those locations. Yeah, you do. You got Puerto Rico kids standing right in back of you, and I'm seeing this shirt. I think it's right next to Kansas across the way. It's just a really great moment where kids can get together and speak to other kids that have a lot in common. They might have a lot in common with. Yeah, it's fantastic. I always say it's a wonderful networking opportunity, not only for these students to understand where others live, but also to talk a little bit about what their chapters are doing and maybe how they can apply what that chapter is doing to their home chapter. It's really an opportunity for us to showcase how broad and diverse the field of agriculture is. Now, one of the things that you, you just lightly touched on was that the teacher component. And one of the things that we've heard from a great number of people is that their ag teacher either made or broke their career in agriculture. Yeah, we hear that a lot. We are so thankful for our teachers. We try our hardest to supply them with maybe some tools and guidance that they can use. But especially during National Convention, we talk to people and they will say, it is because of my ag teacher that I am here. When our new national officer team is elected, many of them will say, it's because my ag teacher encouraged me or they pulled me out of my shell. We have so many success stories of how somebody used to be that quiet person in the back of the room, but their ag teacher saw something, encouraged them, and they just really blossomed. It's just so important and we're so so appreciative of our teachers, especially this past year and a half. It's been so difficult for them having to do stuff virtual or maybe a hybrid. And we know it's been a challenge, but we see how they've adapted and still really embraced their students and reached out to the kids. So we're just so appreciative of our advisors. Well, I, you know, I have to, I have to kind of smile sometimes when, when you talk about farming in America and the, the whole COVID thing, the kids have dealt and the farmers have dealt with disease outbreaks, whether it's Newcastle and chickens or whether it is swine flu or something. They've been dealing with disease outbreaks for their whole lives, basically. They really have, and they're resilient. And so one of the 
I always say there's silver linings in everything. So one of the silver linings I think that happened during COVID is we really saw our members continuously step up. Um, an example we actually had in our own backyard in Indiana is there were some producers, some protein producers up in a county north of us, and they were really struggling because so many things had shut down. So the local chapter realized that, they purchased the meat from them, and then they donated it to the food pantry because they knew there was a need for food. And so everybody was jumping on that story about how wonderful this is. And it was great to be able to say, well, this happens all the time in these communities. This is what they do. They give back, they find a need, they work on it, and they lend a helping hand. Yeah, and the, and the supply chain is such an important thing. So it's in a way, this convention is a, is a very practical way for kids to learn things like the supply chain disruptions that occur in flights. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I, every time I've been on a plane in the last couple months, I, it's gonna be a delay or a misdirection or something. So that's, again, indicative of how our supply chain works in our food systems as well. And just, so it's a, in a way, it's a really great way for the kids to see the broader picture of that too. It really is, and I really hope, we have so many individuals here, but I really hope they understand supply chain is part of the reason they have long food lines right now. Supply chain and labor shortage, which I think everybody is feeling right now. Um, but the wonderful things about our students and our advisors is they're so gracious about it. They understand and they don't get too mad. And it's very easy to do with such long hours, but they're so wonderful. It makes my job so pleasant. Yeah. Okay, so you've, you've mentioned networking here, and that's gonna be the moment for me to grab this little microphone and, and say that you've already poached one of our potential in, interns here. So come on in, Logan, and I'm gonna let you run with this. I'm gonna put this on you right here. And we're just gonna move you to the side. Now that you've already just halfway gone to the dark side, <laughs> I'll let you run with it. Okay, so what I was really, a question that I really had for you today was here at National FFA Convention. I mean, this is a big association and this is a big organization that puts on this convention. What is like the process that you all go through in getting that this convention ready? I mean, you pull people from all over the country, from multiple different states and getting the national officers together and just with Lucas Oil Stadium and the show and the presentation, what all goes on behind the scenes is the question I have. I'm so glad you asked that because this gives me the opportunity to thank all my colleagues for their hard work. So on national staff, there are 105 of us. And as you can imagine, just by seeing the scope of this event, every one of us is here this week and we won't get a lot of sleep. So thankfully um, on Monday and Tuesday of next week, they've given us off to recover. Um, so, but we all have a designated area. So I have a friend who's in charge of the expo. So she works with those vendors to make sure that they have what they need. I have another colleague who's in charge of the shopping mall, another colleague who's in charge of registration, another colleague who's in charge of the different portions. And we have an overall convention team who kind of sees that and pulls it all together. But the wonderful thing that we have in the city of Indianapolis is what we call a local organizing committee. And so those are the movers and shakers in the city and the state who help us get all of those exterior moving forces that you wouldn't think about. We have a great relationship with the Indianapolis Police Department, the State Police Department, Fire Department, Mayor's Office, Visit Indy, who help us make sure we're sharing that message with the city. Because what some people don't understand, there's 55 to 57,000 of you guys. So the city can be overwhelmed with all the blue jackets. So it's a matter of us really sharing with the city, hey, you're gonna see a lot of blue jackets this week. Be nice, you know, help us welcome them. But in addition to that, 
our city also gives us volunteers to help us. So it's, it's a big process. Um, we have those two days off next week and planning for next convention will start on that Wednesday. Oh my goodness, so you just go right into the next convention, right, with the new officers and new everyone getting ready for the new year. Well, that sounds fantastic. I know you put a lot of hard work into that and it's amazing because it turns out beautiful each and every year that I've been here. Oh, well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. it we just want to make sure it's an experience that everybody enjoys and that is seamless for them and they don't see any of the ripples that might happen behind the scenes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. One of my fondest uh, memories here was in 2019 when I came and the kids from Hawaii, it snowed that year and you could just see all their faces light up and it was so beautiful and it's a beautiful experience. Yes. So yeah. thank you for talking to me today. Oh my gosh, I'm so positive. Much. And you know, like I said, keep in touch with me and we will continue the networking. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma <laughs> okay. So now that you two have asked a series questions, I'll, I'm just going to jump in here. Yes. Can you still hear me, honey? Oh, you okay. I didn't know if you were. Okay, so now, no, no, I want to hear this. So I, I want to ask you both, now you talked about networking. Logan came over, said I'm, in, I'm interested in a career in the media, potentially, and you immediately jumped right in and said, come talk to us. So I'm teasing you about the poaching thing, sort of. But seriously, this is a great moment for kids that don't necessarily want to go and raise a, a dairy cow for the rest of their lives or a chicken to say, I'd like to, to stay in this field or in communications or ag communications or something. Tell me about some of the other things that you might offer. Some yeah, of so like absolutely. That. So I know that we were talking, but I also would encourage you and everybody who's attending, when you go to the expo, visit these booths, talk to those individuals who are there, ask how they got involved, um, what career opportunities they have. Because one of the things that a lot of our sponsors are looking for is that talent to fill that pipeline. They really need strong leaders for their talent pipeline and that's what they're looking for. So the expo is a fabulous opportunity to make those connections. It might be an internship, it might lead to a full-time job. We have a lot of people who made those connections and now work for the companies and come back every year at the national convention. So we really just want to have that opportunity for our students to make those connections in industry, realizing that there's more than 255 careers in agriculture. We absolutely embrace our production agriculture roots, but there's also so much to agriculture that sometimes people don't realize, right? There's there's the food sciences, there's biotechnology, there's veterinary science, there's wildlife. There's so many pieces. And especially right now with all of the challenges we're seeing, whether it's the supply chain or the food industry, there's so much of a role that we can play that we just really encourage our students to give that talent that we know they have back to the community. There, there was a, a wonderful moment that we that we had that turned into an hour and 15 minutes over there in the Army booth because you're thinking, okay, the Army's here, they're recruiting, all that kind of thing. But the connections that, that, you, that you make with agriculture are phenomenal. So there's communications, there's computer science, all kinds of things that are used commonly. They, they, they use drones, which is frankly one of the big ways that larger farms are now controlling their, you know, their, their resources and using things like fertilizer or managing their crops or managing their, their herds. They um, took us over to the section where they had the vet and she had a dog out there that's a breathing robot dog, basically like CPR Annie, remember those? That, yes. Yes, but it has injuries on it, so if you want to learn animal science from a, from a veterinary perspective, they have that. Food inspection. Right. Phenomenal thing. So, I mean, even then the Coast Guard was just got the GI Bill, which means you can pay for your college, and, and, and still, all of these things that are agricultural related. 
Yeah, and, and on top of that, not only do we just have our sponsor and industry individuals here, we have so many colleges here, which is also a fantastic opportunity for members to go and talk to colleges and say, how can you prepare me for that career field? Whether it's a two-year college, a community college, a four-year college, what's the best way, the best path for me, myself? Because not everybody's going to want to do four years. Not everyone's going to want to do two years. Some might want to do apprenticeship. So this is the opportunity to just really network and make it happen. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And this is just an amazing experience. I want to say that again. And by giving these kids the opportunity, I know personally, growing up on a farm, you know, I show registered war goats. But when I thought about a career, I thought about, you know, wanting to do something that I'm good at that doesn't pertain to the typical agriculture stereotype. So when I found, you know, the ability to have a communications job, that's what really drawed me into FFA in the first place. Yeah, absolutely, because you can take your passion and that translate when you get that message. Absolutely. I am really glad you mentioned the colleges too because that's also an expansive point. We went to San Luis Obispo. One of the questions that I asked the gals up there were, we had, matter of fact, we had two FFA members that had come over to the booth and they were from California. So I got my California uh, representative from San Luis Obispo and my, my two FFA members and I said, girls, do you ever have a problem with the rest of the kids at this FFA event, young adults at this FFA event, saying, California, what is that about ag? And they said, oh, we get that all the time. And yet, this college is represented because we are huge in agriculture. And these kids might not be aware of that because they're in the farm belt. Yeah, absolutely. We, that's the great thing about having students from all over. They get to be introduced to so many different regions, so many different types of agriculture, right? I mean, that's the great thing about our country is we have so much opportunity in the different fields to really introduce everybody to. So you can have pineapples in Hawaii, you can have abalone in California, almonds in California, grain in Nebraska, gosh. I, I Lobster in Maine. Lobster in Maine. Says we can't forget aquaculture. Yes, <laughs> of course, of course, yes. Well, we just, we so much appreciate you coming and chatting with us. My pleasure. I do not appreciate it all, you poaching the urn I I might not take her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. I greatly appreciate it. And if I could ever do anything for either one of you, please feel free to reach out. Wonderful. You can do something for me right now. If people want to find out more about the FFA, where do they go? So they can go to FFA.org to our website. If they'd like to see anything about convention, convention.ffa.org. And they can follow convention with hashtag FFA21 or just follow National FFA on Twitter. Wonderful. Well, a couple more days we're going to be here, and I highly doubt we're going to see everything. So thank you so much. Thank guys. you so much. I appreciate it. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please ask your friends to join us. Please also feel free to post any comments or questions to our social media sites. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Backyard Green Films. Thanks again for listening. We love to bring you this podcast every week. We visit places all across the country and even a few places outside the U.S. We'd love to keep doing this as long as we can, but holy cow, gas is expensive. So, we've started up a Patreon account. If you'd like to help be a part of the stories you hear, we'd love your support, feedback, and suggestions. If you'd like to make that financial support, please follow the Patreon links in our podcast intro for more information. Every little bit is another mile we can put on the road to bring you the conversations we hope you enjoy. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.
We would like to thank Christy for joining us today and for our two interns, Elena and Logan. If you would like to find out more information about the Future Farmers of America, please visit their website at ffa.org. And also check out the JABGA at abga.org. We'll see you next week with another adventure. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, all rights reserved, copyright 2021.